following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. Um, thank you, Trevor. And uh, first of all, just let me say, um, I'm sorry it didn't work out that with this latest transition. I know that uh, some of you hoped that, um, you know, you'd be hearing maybe a name and, and you'd be introducing your new pastor. I just want to say I'm sorry because I know that you put kind of your hope and you're looking forward to that, and that's kind of a bummer. But I'm so thankful, Trevor, for uh, what you shared. And um, it's, 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 it's right and it's wise. You know, there's a saying it's been out there. It says, uh, sometimes God calms the storm. And sometimes God lets the storm range and what? Calms his child. That's the normal saying. There's another, there's another angle because there's another storm story in the scripture. This isn't what I'm talking about. But I just thought of this while you were, where you were talking, Trevor. There's another storm story where they're in the boat, right? And the storm is raging. And in that particular instance, he, he didn't calm the storm. He actually, what he did is he said, you know what, instead of calming the storm, why don't, you guys, why don't you just come out here on the water in the middle of the storm with me because I can teach you something in the midst of the storm too. So sometimes he lets the storm range and calms his child, but sometimes he lets the storm range and says, hey, I want to teach, some, teach you something in the midst of the storm that's going to be more powerful than you could ever learn otherwise. And so I, I, I just want to say this to you. I, um, God is in control. God is in control. Right? God is in control. And there are times where we wonder, God, are you in control? Are you in control of my life? Are you in control of these circumstances around me that aren't going the way that I thought they should go? God, are you in control of the situation in our country? You know, on the one hand, we have some people who say, you know, um, well, there's just a lot of polarization in our country right now. I won't even get into it. But there's a, there are some who wonder, God, where are you in the midst of this? Some who think, you know, God's favor is on us right now, and some believe who believe God's judgment is on us now. And so you wonder, God, are you in control? And then we've got, in the last couple of weeks, we've got, uh, you know, we got a Hurricane Harvey hitting the uh, Texas and Louisiana. We have a eight-point-something earthquake in southern Mexico and the northern Guatemala. You've got Hurricane Irma bearing down now on Florida. You've got wildfires in Washington and Oregon and Idaho and Montana and California. And you'd, sometimes you just think, God, are you, are you in control? Where are you in the midst of all of this? And I want to reassure you that God has never left his place of authority. Amen. And we might not understand why some of the things are happening uh, that are happening. One thing we can be absolutely sure of is that God wants to be with us and in us and work through us in the midst of whatever is going on. I can't tell you why, you know, why does a hurricane hit in certain places certain times, except that we live in a very broken world. And uh, in a broken world, there are consequences of that brokenness. Um, and um, the beauty is that God, God's presence and God's peace can be with us in the midst of the brokenness. 
Three years ago, I resigned the church that my wife and I had started in 93. And uh, that was a very difficult decision, but it was one we knew it was right. We knew it was right in our particular circumstance to step down from that church because we believed that that church needed its new leader. And as we st- when we stepped down, um, the process began to start of finding who that new pastor would be. And um, I had had a, a member of my staff, a guy who had been on my staff for a couple of years, uh, for, for a little while, and then he had been gone for a couple of years because he planted a new church in Spokane. And uh, I love this guy, and uh, church loved this guy. And so as we went into this transition, we asked him, would you like to take over as lead pastor Celebration Center? And he, they, they thought about it, prayed about it, talked about it. They were in. So I was really happy because I was resigning and I knew that the next person was coming. I knew who they were and I was very confident in them. And I was really happy about how smoothly this transition was going to go. It was going to be seamless. We were going to step out. He was going to step in. We were going to cheer. All was great. I was sitting at Mariner Fan Fest in Safeco Field. And um, this was the Saturday before the Sunday he was going to be introduced as our new pastor. It was done. I mean, in my head, it was done long before this. But it was, it was I mean, this was the day where the board was, was, was saying, here, okay, here's, here's, you know, here's how we're going to present you, and here's your package, and all of that. So I'm sitting at Mariner's Fan Fest, and I get a phone call from him, and he goes, hey, I got some news. He says, uh, I'm not taking the position. I thought he was kidding. I mean, honestly, I thought he was joking. I was like, yeah, right. He said, no, I'm serious. I, I just feel like God's doing something different in me and in us. And I'm like, So all of a sudden, you know, I was messed up uh, for a little while there. And uh, so the next day, uh, through that process, um, or that, that night actually, and then into the next day, God was just speaking to me and God was dealing with me. And he was just continuing to say these words, Chris, I've got this. I've got this. You have your plans, but I've got my plans. Amen. And so I, I had to go before the church, and I had, to, I had to share, you know, hey, we thought this was done. We thought we were going to be able to present something to you. It didn't work out well. And then it took a number of months after that disappointment that uh, finally, until finally we found the person who would step in. That person is now my pastor. He's been my pastor for the last two years. And God knew exactly what he was doing. It wasn't in the way that I thought it was going to happen, but he's the right guy for the role at this season of our church. God has got this. God can be trusted. And, and, um, and that's the beautiful thing about this transition. I, I want to just tell you that you have a team in your transition team that is fantastic. Your, your leadership team, um, your, your pastoral search committee uh, is is. Excellent, and they have done a, a fantastic, beautiful job. And I look at this church, Canyon Ridge, and, um, and I think, just on a very practical level, I think this is, for somebody, this is a fantastic opportunity. This is a great church. This is a great opportunity. You are great people. I mean, look at all the Seahawks jerseys in here. Uh, <laughs> this, this is the, but, but seriously, great, great leaders, 
healthy church. That's a, that's a real tribute, John, to you and Joy and what you've done in this body. And so I, I honor that. And, and this is a great opportunity. So, so in my just practical head, I think this is a great opportunity. This is easy. This is an easy one. Um, I've seen some where I've thought, I shouldn't probably admit this. Can I be really honest? I, I've seen some... Where we, where we thought, I want to talk a person out of going to there <laughs> because it's so unhealthy. Uh, but this is not one of those. This is a great opportunity. This, and, so, and so sometimes you wonder just practically and in your, in your rational mind, you think, oh, this is easy. We can just fill this up. But you know what? God has a plan that's bigger than what we can understand and bigger than our reason. And so we trust His plan. I, I am just... I'm. I, Try to track with me here, but because I went a whole other sideways direction there. But um, I, I want to share just a little bit about this, this truth that God has this, and we can trust Him. And I just want to pray. God, I, I pray that You would, uh, Lord, You would speak not only to Canyon Ridge as a church body, but that You would speak to Canyon Ridge as a church body. But Lord, You'd speak to individual hearts and lives and families that you can be trusted that you are at work and that we can lay our lives in your hands set me aside Lord that our eyes would be fixed and focused on Jesus we pray this in Jesus name Amen Philippians three twelve to 14 says not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what do you do when things don't go the way you thought they were supposed to go? What do you do in those things, especially when you, you've been quote-unquote good or, or, or you've done everything in the quote-unquote right way? You've tried to do it right. You've tried to be good. It seems like that should add up to uh, X result. And what do you do when the result doesn't go the way you think it should go? And, and the question then goes to, well, what is it that makes us right or good? Or what is it that makes us acceptable? And at the beginning of Philippians 3, Paul is talking and he's saying, beware of these guys, these mutilators who are demanding that you be circumcised. He's saying, be careful of those who tell you you have to do these outward expressions in order to be made acceptable. Be careful of that. Be careful of those who say you have to do this or this or this to prove that you're acceptable or that you belong. And then in, in Philippians 3, 5, and 6, Paul lays out his resume and he says, uh, uh, listen, I, I, was a, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, you know, uh, among the Hebrews, and I was on my way. He lays out this, this beautiful resume of his position and his accomplishments and then in verses 7 to 11 of Philippians chapter 3, he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider as loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage 
that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and the participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying, listen, what makes us right or acceptable or good in God's eyes is not our reason or our, or our resume, it is our relationship with Jesus. In fact, there's somebody said, uh, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, He came to make dead people alive. Right? So it's not about how good we are or how right we are. It's, it, Jesus is the one who makes us right. It's, it's on the basis of what Christ has done that we are made acceptable. And Paul says, I had this thing going on. I had it all dialed in. I had it all added up. I had my resume on track. And I I was moving in a certain direction based on my accomplishments. But when I found Jesus, I recognized all of that is just garbage. And the thing that really matters is knowing Him. The thing that really matters is understanding what Jesus wants in my life. The thing that really matters and that sometimes... That there may be something of Jesus in the things we suffer through. And is it okay that that we might go through some suffering because we might find something of the character of Christ in that, that we could know him a little bit better, that we would share in that? Sometimes things don't go the way we hoped they would. And sometimes it's because people make decisions (laughs) that um, we didn't expect. Sometimes it's because we live in a broken world. Sometimes it's because we might be trusting in our own wisdom or we might be trusting in our own ability. And as long as we believe that our power is based strictly on our resume, in other words, uh, I'm sorry, uh, as long as we believe our power is based strictly on our reason, in other words, hey, this makes perfect sense to me, then we've got this, right? We don't need God. We've got it. We've got it all dialed in. As long as our power is based strictly on our resume, you know, I've put all this effort in. I've put all this time in. Look what I've accomplished. I deserve this. Then we've got this. As long as we want to be in control, then our power will only go as far as we can take it. Then we've got this. But when we lay that all down and we say to God, God, you're in control. Then God's got it. When we say there's nothing more valuable, God, to me than knowing you and understanding what it is you want to do in my life, in this moment, in this situation, in this circumstance, there's nothing more important to me than knowing you. In fact, all of the other stuff is like trash compared to knowing you in those circumstances, then God's got this. And when we recognize that it is God who makes us right and acceptable and there is no limit to, to the power we can walk in because it is, is his, it is in His power. It's in those times God has got this. See, we, we need to keep our eyes moving forward toward Him. Keep our eyes on Him. Paul said in that passage that we read first, he said, forgetting what lies behind And straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. In the message, it reads like this. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself as an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. 
I'm often running and I'm not turning back. He's saying, keep your eyes forward on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes forward. That's where Jesus is. And the amazing thing about that truth, that we keep our eyes forward because that's where Jesus is, while Jesus is forward where he wants us moving, he's also with us, right? Amen. So there's this, there's this interesting thing that's happening where Jesus wants us to keep our eyes on him because he's leading us into his, his destiny, but he's also with us in the midst of whatever it is he's going through, in, in, the, in the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit, our comforter, the one who walks with us, and the one who is always leading us to Jesus. Right? So, so God's presence is with us as we are moving toward the place he has for us. Paul's talking about letting go of that which used to be important for the new life that God has given him. And, and listen, for all of us, to some degree, our old and our past is full of self and full of sin. It just is. Uh, whether we recognize it is or not, that's another question. But for all of us, to some degree, our, our past is full of self and full of sin, and we are racing away from that, hopefully, and keeping our eyes on Jesus. But also, here's the truth, in our past, there's also some great things, right? There's great things, great experiences, um, great accomplishments, things we treasure, beautiful memories, uh, important milestones, life-changing encounters with Jesus. Those things are also in the past. And so we treasure those things. Those are important and good to remember, but we can't live there. We can't, we can't just stay in that spot. God has life ahead for us. Jesus is pulling us forward. And it's very easy for us to say, I want what I've had. Or I miss how things used to be. Or I don't want anything to change. I don't want it to be different. My daughter is home for the weekend. She lives in Los Angeles. My oldest lives in Massachusetts. And my middle child lives in Bothell. And they're all too far away. And I'm, sometimes I think, I just want them home. I liked it when they were home. Other times I think, it's kind of nice they're not home. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, sometimes we go there, right? I, I miss what... What I, how, how things used to be. And, and it's especially true when things aren't going the way you thought they might go. But those are the times where we need to trust Jesus who is in front of us and remember he's in front of us and remember he's leading us. See, I, I think there's a little difference between faith and trust. Faith is believing God, uh, who God is and what he can do, right? Believing who God is and what he can do. So we know God can do anything, right? He could... You know, as far as your church is concerned, he could have plucked a pastor, the new pastor out and set him right in place, you know, five months ago. He could, God can do anything. Trust is believing that whatever he does is right. And it's one thing to believe in God, and it's another thing to trust that what God is doing and what God is up to, he can be trusted. And God wants us to trust in him. Trust comes a little easier when things are going well and planned as you know, as we thought it should go. And those are the days where it might be a little easier to proclaim, well, God's got this. Hey, look, you know, everything's great. My bank account is full. My job is going great. Everything's, you know, marriage is fantastic. My kids are all doing, you know, great. They're, they actually do what I ask them to do. God, you know, God's got the God's in control. But when things start to go sideways, 
When things don't go as we expected, that's when t- trust is really tested in your marriage, in your job, with your kids. And we say, but God, we've tried to follow you and we've tried to do everything right. We've tried to, we've tried to do the things and be faithful and we've tried to take this step and this step and this step and it should have equaled this. But, and and we, love, you know, we love God to operate in nice, tidy equations, don't we? That if I do this and if I do this, And if I do this, equals this result. And I'll tell you, God, what the result should be. But our faith is not a formulaic faith. When when you look at at how God, and and, and there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is because God is working with imperfect people. Number two is because God is intensely creative. He's a very creative God. And he, He does things all kinds of creative ways. But we have had, in the church, we have loved to take encounters with God, unique, special encounters with God, box those up, say, this is how God now should work. And we try to transport those and say, now this is how God should always work. And when He doesn't work exactly that way, we wonder, okay, how, what's wrong with me? Or what's wrong with God? Or what's wrong with you? But we don't, li- we don't live in a formulaic kind of equation with God. We trust Him. From Abraham to Joseph to Moses and David and Daniel, Scripture is full of stories that didn't go as you might have thought they should go. Paul, when he was a Pharisee, he had position and power and untapped potential. But as a follower of Jesus, he found himself writing the words that we're reading today from prison. That's the context of this letter. And he says out of that context of prison, because now he's following Jesus, all that other stuff that I had is garbage. Because now I know Jesus, and he is my life, and he's the one I live for, and he's the one I trust, and I have something ahead I get to look forward to that I never had before. We might miss what we had, but we can't stay there because Jesus is ahead of us, always doing something new, always doing something fantastic. Jesus is ahead of Canyon Ridge, getting ready to do something new and getting ready to do something fantastic. I'm convinced of that. I wish he'd hurry up, but I'm I'm convinced of that. Can I... Can I give you, uh, just in closing, a Seahawks Are you okay? Are there any Seahawks fans? Are we okay giving a Seahawks illustration? I know this is about Jesus, and I know this is the Lord's Day, but it's also opening day for the Seahawks football season, right? That's not as high as Jesus, but it is that. Um, and so I'm just going to give you just a little illustration. In the 2014 season, the Seahawks were, and I thought it was also, by the way, important not I don't know, important, appropriate to share this illustration because who are the Seahawks playing today? The Green Bay Packers. So, in the 2014 season, the the Seattle Seahawks were playing the Green Bay Packers for the NFC Championship. Anybody remember that game? They were heavy favorites over Green Bay. And... um, the game, you know, the game wasn't going as they thought it would go. They, uh, they had a bunch of turnovers. Russell Wilson threw three interceptions um, early on, and all of those interceptions, were the tar- his target was Jermaine Curse. 
Every one of those passes was intercepted. They didn't even have a first down until eight minutes into the second quarter in that game. With five minutes left, they were down 19 to 7, five minutes left in the game. And at that point, Russell Wilson threw another pass, targeted for Jermaine Curse. Jermaine Curse tips the pass, that pass gets intercepted. So now there's less than five minutes in the game. The Green Bay Packers have the ball. It just looks terrible. In a lot of people's minds, this thing was over. And people actually started to decide, it isn't going the way I hoped. I'm disgusted with how it's going. I'm out. And people who were at the game started to leave the game. They started to walk out of the stadium. They stopped believing. And then the improbable began to happen. And they started hearing cheers because the Seahawks got the ball back, they made a stop, and they started to drive. They started to hear cheers, and then those who left started looking back in like, I wonder what's happening. They're watching the TV screen, but they're out. <laughs> they left. And, um, and, and so the Seahawks make a stop. They drive down the field and score. And in this game, I could talk a lot about this, but in this game, they're going to kick a field goal. John Ryan is the holder he fakes the field goal, takes the ball, throws the pass to Gary Gilliam, a lineman, for a touchdown, right? So this is just nuts. And um, so we have, we have just over two minutes left. Our only hope is an onside kick. And an onside kick never works, right? It just doesn't work. An onside kick does not work. Rarely works. Anyway, so let's, let's play this video. So, so, uh, so they recover the onside kick, they go down, they score, um, and, and so now they're ahead tw uh, 20 to 19. Instead of going for one, they go for two, so they go ahead by three. Russell Wilson makes a, just the throws it up in there. They come down with a two-point conversion. It's now 22-19. We're going to win this, right? And prob the problem is we left Aaron Rodgers over a minute. He goes down, drives down, they kick a field goal. Now it's tied. At the end of the game, end of regulation, it's tied. Uh, and so in the overtime, the coin toss is important. Seattle wins the coin toss. So they get the ball. First score wins in overtime. So here's what happens. Of all the people who could have caught that winning touchdown pass, after four targets and four interceptions, Jermaine Curse wins the, uh, gets the pass to win the game. Listen, nothing was going how it was supposed to go. It seemed over. It would have been easy to give up. It would have been easy at that moment when things weren't going the way they thought to walk out and say, I'm done. I'm out. I'm sick of how this is going. I don't like it. I don't like these circumstances. I'm out. That can happen in us, right, in our hearts. I don't like how this is going in my marriage. I'm out. I don't like how this is going in my faith. 
I'm out. I don't like how this is going in my church. I'm out. Don't be the person who walks out before Jesus is about to turn that game around. Amen. Right? Don't be, that, don't be that person. It seemed over. Would have been easy to give up, but they didn't stop believing. Listen, your pastoral search team has done everything right. They're one of the best. And, and, I, and I'm not just saying, if not the best, I've dealt with in this kind of a transition. They're thoughtful. They're thorough. They're prayerful. They're mission-focused. They fully expect that they had the new guy for Canyon Ridge. I thought, I believed it. Gary Emery believed it. We all believed it was the right choice. So when it didn't go the way we thought, they thought it would. Of course, there's disappointment. But there, these are the moments where we remember, listen, God's got this. God's got this. Now the process begins again. Pastor Gary, last night, late, late, <laughs> is texting me. Hey, what about this? What do you have you thought about this? So the process will continue. But it might seem like five minutes to go down by an insurmountable margin, but our difference is this. That was the Seahawks, and they put their trust in their skill and Russell Wilson and their coach, Pete Carroll. But our situation is not left in human hands. We have a God who knows what is happening. He knows the beginning from the end. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He knows our past, our present, and our future. And He is pulling us forward. And if we would lay our lives, our circumstances, our decision, and our church in His hands, God's got this. Amen? Amen. God, we trust You. And I pray the days forward as we look to Jesus for Canyon Ridge Church would be the greatest ever. And I pray that this congregation would be those who believe and who trust and who are here to see the beautiful result that you will bring forward. In Jesus' name, amen.